Welcome to the 902 Podcast, the official podcast of the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Captain John Vick, and I want to thank you for listening. This podcast will give you an inside look at LSO with topics and guests to discuss public safety issues impacting Lancaster County. Be sure to subscribe for highlights on news, cases, and the people working for you at LSO. You can also follow us across social media at LSO Nebraska on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Welcome to the 902 Podcast. We are here today to recap 2023 with our State of the Office look back, I guess we'd call it. We've, yeah. We've usually just done this internally, but uh, now's a good time to do one uh, for the podcast. There we go. There's... Have we ever done an annual report? Oh, yes. I've got, well, back in the 70s, we did a really nice printed yeah. annual report every year. Uh-huh. Um, it was about seven or eight pages long. Okay. Um, four by six. Um, sure. With a picture of the patrol. I thought car. I remember seeing one. Yeah. I've okay. Got, I've got uh, three years that I can remember doing that. Okay. Well, and we we published our strategic plan. Yes. But uh, this will be sort of like our annual report. That usually goes to our, usually goes to our internal staff, and, right. and we talk about things. But uh, just a look back at 2023. So, sheriff, uh, I guess just let us let us know what how was the year? Challenging. Um, you know, I think we can say that. I start off every year by going through our personnel changes. We had four deputy sheriffs retire last mm-hmm. year, um, and and one of our civilian support staff uh, retired. So we lost about 132 years of collective experience there. Um, we had a number of employees resign. Uh, one deputy, uh, three security uh, guards from uh, the front door area, and, and uh, two of our record system specialists. So, um, you know, with all of those departures, left some pretty uh, pretty big gaps in our in our staffing. Um, so. You know, from our employee perspective, we uh, um, we we did quite a bit of hiring. You know, uh, we hired eight deputy sheriffs. I'm sorry, six deputy sheriffs, five of which are still with us. Um, we hired three registration specialists and one building security guard. So uh, that didn't. That didn't fill all the holes created the year before, but it sure helped a lot. Well, I know we've talked at one point, you know, the the retirees that we've lost this year were all folks that were kind of hired 80s, 90s. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there was a big push in in that era for, I think, some cops grants and things. And there our, were. So do you think that we're kind of coming into a time... You know, we always have some retirements, but it seems like we got hit a little bit harder this year. Do you, do you attribute that to kind of a, a flush in hiring? Yeah, you know, you can look back on on those periods. So, um, you know, two or three. Let's see here. Um, yeah, Jim Barrett and Angelo Casares were both hired in nineteen ninety. And I'm trying to think if there was a grant. I think it might have been a traffic grant um, that that uh, got them here. Uh, Jerry Hopper was in the mid '80s, and I can't remember. Um, he he fulfilled a an existing position, mm-hmm. a, a, a resignation, and then Captain Trotter 
uh, was hired um, right after I got elected in 94 uh, and actually took my spot. So okay. Okay. That was sort of the where those folks came from. But, you know, we saw those, in, you know, with the group in the 70s. Mm. Uh, we've still got some folks that were hired early 80s that um, that will create a gap. And, and I just remember uh, the RSTEP, Rural Selective Traffic Enforcement Programs, were real big and getting federal dollars to hire deputies and buy cars uh, to enhance uh, traffic safety. And, you know, the... the ones that are up on the list there, you see they're all, you know, around 30, 30 plus years of service. I think some people are surprised to know that we don't have a 20, 25 years and out. Right. Like, we don't, yeah. We don't have a defined benefit plan like of the police department, and the state patrol or Omaha mm-hmm. police. Uh, we have a, we have a defined contribution plan, which is a 401k if you would. Yep. Um, and um, so the concern for our retirees is always, how much how much money am I going to need until I until I die basically and mm-hmm. so how long am I going to live how much money am I going to spend yep do I have enough in my account should I keep working more to build that account up well then um, you have the social security aspect of it too on that that thought process yeah we have social security and Medicare so um, if you retire before you're age sixty seven uh, then you've got to uh, somehow make arrangements for health insurance mm-hmm. and um, you know without uh, without that benefit, that subsidized benefit for the county, it gets real expensive. Certainly. So, it, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns with that defined contribution plan. Um, and it, it sometimes forces our employees to, to work longer than they really might want to. Sure. We lost five other deputies uh, last year that were terminated. Four of them were uh, terminated during their academy experience, and so they were only with us a couple of months. And another deputy was terminated for misconduct. Um, you know, one of the things, this is a, a new stat that I'm keeping this year, simply because we had six retirees that passed away in 2023. Mm. Uh, Sergeant Mike Novacek uh, died on January 18th. Deputy Al Cherry died on February 3rd. Uh, former Captain uh, Byford Bruce retired, or I'm sorry, passed away in July. Uh, deputy Sheriff John Nelson died in October. Uh, Captain Steve Gates died in October as well. And then Deputy Sheriff Ed Bryson passed away November 22nd. So uh, having six retirees pass away in one year is quite a bit. But, um, uh, you know, going to your earlier point, all, many of them were about the same age period. I remember uh, Captain Gates and Captain Bruce and John Nelson and Ed Bryson all came on in the early 70s before I did. Um, it was a big push. Uh, they all came over from the Lincoln Police Department. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that accounted, uh, you know, for when they were hired. And then uh, Deputy Cherry was hired in 1980 or 79, and he was hired on a traffic grant. I, I remember that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of cyclic, I guess, yeah. if, you would, if you would. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, every year we have our awards committee meet and uh, um, select employees and and civilians uh, for our service awards. Um, We had uh, Cade Busen in uh, December of 2022 um, after our, after that year's 
convening of our awards committee, uh, he was he'll be awarded the certificate of merit at a county board meeting here um, February thirteenth, thirteenth, uh, Tuesday, and um, uh, Cade is ten ten forty eight in the morning on Highway six near one hundred sixty second, uh, a semi a truck uh, and a passenger car collided on the highway. Uh, the truck went into the ditch, um, and the cab was crushed. The driver was trapped. Uh, Cade came upon that crash before emergency uh, responders got there and started assessing the driver. He helped uh, extricate the driver from the cab, and and uh, you know all, all this while the the vehicle's leaking diesel fuel all over him and the driver, and and they worked feverishly to get him out. Um, yeah, so, there was a worry that. The truck could catch on fire. Yeah, so yeah, it, sure it was. It, every, he was lucky that uh, the driver was yeah. that Steve was there, and he he really did uh, put his life on the line to assist a, a stranger. Yeah. So um, that he you know he stayed until uh, the fire department uh, got there with their extraction tools and were able to free that driver, and they got him out and transported, and and uh, yeah, he's alive and well. So thanks to uh, to Kate Buson for his. Willingness to intervene. Um, you know, we had a we have life-saving awards for our deputy sheriffs who respond to calls. This was an unusual call in that uh, uh, deputy uh, Josh Kingswood was detailed to a medical emergency where a fifty-year-old fifty-two-year-old man had fallen downstairs and was unresponsive. Uh, when when deputy Kingswood got there, uh, he found the man not breathing and no pulse, and a thirteen-year-old friend of the victim's son who was. Uh, uh, spending the night uh, was performing CPR on the victim, so uh, Deputy Kingswood uh, took over, helped uh, with CPR. Uh, the fire department uh, finally arrived and revived the victim, who was speaking and conscious before being transported to the hospital, and uh, is doing alive and well. So, um, you know, for a 13-year-old, um, mm-hmm. Radon Wasco, to uh, recognize the severity of the situation and start performing CPR is really admirable. And so uh, uh, Radden will receive the citizens a certificate of merit as well. Probably ought to slip him an application to start thinking about law enforcement. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exceptional duty award for uh, Deputy Corey Lear. Corey is a, he's a team leader for our honor guard. And um, this year the honor guard went to uh, Washington, D.C., and um, uh, Deputy Troy Bailey, who passed away in 2000. 2020. 2020. 2020. Yep. Yep. Um, so, Deputy, uh, so uh, Deputy Troy Bailey was being uh, placed on the wall in Washington, D.C., and uh, our honor guard went back to Washington, performed in a number of different uh, ceremonies. Uh, some of them in the pouring rain. And then uh, when they came back to Lincoln, uh, they performed uh, the honors ceremony uh, at the Justice Law Enforcement Center here and then in Grand Island at the uh, Nebraska Law Enforcement Training Center or at the Nebraska Law Enforcement Memorial. And uh, we were the host agency for that event. So uh, the Honor Guard was very busy uh, that week uh, in Washington and in Lincoln and in Grand Island. So... uh, they, they really look sharp. They uh, perform admirably, and they uh, they make Ellis look pretty darn good. Um, they also uh, 
hosted the colors at a number of uh, UNL sporting events, uh, basketball games, and and those kinds of things. So um, they really are a good uh, ambassador for our, for our agency, and Corey deserves a lot of credit for how sharp they are, um, how good they look. Rendered honors at a number of those retiree funerals yes. uh, this year, exactly. too. So yep. busy, busy year for that team. Yep. Uh, our Civilian Employee of the Year, our Administrative Services Officer, Sarah Sump. Uh, Sarah does a great job, not only uh, on her her normal uh, job description of taking care of the budget and preparing financial reports, uh, but she's also the coordinator for our Forfeited Assets Committee. She monitors uh, that budget and uh, makes sure that our purchases comply with federal guidelines. She handles the audits. She's also taken on the responsibility of... Uh, for our social media platform. And so uh, this summer she uh, attended a media and public relations conference that was hosted by the FBI, and she gained a, a much better understanding of how other agencies run their social media programs and has really done a great job uh, with uh, getting all that getting all that information out. It really was helpful during the uh, fires in October of 2022 in the south uh, southwest part of the county. And then, uh, I'm sorry, 2023. Um, and then uh, she's also taken on responsibility of screening uh, all of the applications of our non-sworn staff. And as you can tell from the previous slides, it was a very busy year for hiring non-sworn staff. And Sarah's ranks those uh, applications. Um, she she arranges for an in-person interview, and then uh, and helps uh, make recommendations uh, to the chief deputy and myself on those people who should be hired. So it really takes. It really helps uh, reduce the amount of time it takes to process all those applications to onboard those uh, civilian staff members. Yeah, and she's also the one that does our uh, Facebook Live videotaping us during our press right. conferences. Yeah, dur too. Yeah, dur during our media briefings, uh, she's the one that's uh, uh, taping us live. So, And, uh, you know, I think, is this four years here for Sarah now? Five, four, I believe. Four or five. Okay. So, it, I mean, yeah, time flies, but just in the short time um, that she's been here just made a really big yep. big impact for us. That's so, a great job. Yep. And then our Deputy Sheriff of the Year is Deputy Rhonda Wick. Um, Rhonda is a 20-year veteran of the Sheriff's Office, and, and she continues to uh, have the enthusiasm and accept additional responsibilities. Um, she was nominated. With, there were two separate nominations for her for this award. Um yeah, her positive attitude, superior worker ethic, ethic, and going above and beyond her every her everyday attitude makes her well deserving of the award. Um, one of the nominations mentioned a, a, a sexual assault case that Rhonda was investigating with a field. She's a field training officer with her uh, recruit. Uh, the investigation was very difficult. It took all day, uh, pretty emotionally charged, and uh, as you can imagine, at the end of the day. Um, last thing that either one of them wanted to do was sit down and start writing reports. And so uh, the next day was her regular day off, but instead of making her partner stay late to complete those reports, she canceled her day off and then um, met her partner here to uh, gather all the information and complete the case reports on, on that. So it's a, a great example of uh, her willingness to go out of her way to make things happen. And then the other nomination mentioned all of the extra responsibilities that she has uh, assumed. I mentioned she's a field training officer. She's also an emergency vehicle operations instructor. She's a child safety seat technician, 
member of our bike patrol, former member of our honor guard. Um, she's also a member of our motor vehicle crash team, which is uh, uh, a group of deputies who investigate serious injury and fatal crashes. And she's earned certification from the Accreditation Commission for Traffic Accident Reconstructions. Reconstructions. Um, and uh, that's no easy task. And so kudos to her for attaining that uh, level of certification. And then she's also the uh, law enforcement representative for our drug court. Uh, it's one of our problem-solving courts in Lancaster County, and she's our law enforcement representative. And uh, not only is she our representative, but she was uh, has been selected as a faculty member for the National Association of Drug Court Professionals to help instruct other law enforcement officers from around the nation uh, what their role as law enforcement liaison to their local drug court should be. So, uh, and then recently um, we entered into an agreement with the Nebraska State Patrol to supply tactical flight officers, um, mainly for their helicopter, but for their air wing, and to uh, uh, help supply some personnel for them. Ron to put in for that position and was selected as one of the uh, TFOs. So um, extensive training, to, uh, to be involved in that and then willingness to be on call and available to respond uh, should the air wing be activated. So kudos for her willingness to do that. And that's all with her doing her regular job as a deputy. Yeah, on she, top yeah of. she's got a day job in, in, in addition to all of the extra responsibilities she's assumed. So mm -hmm. um, really a, a hard worker. And, uh, you know, in uh, 2018, she won, uh, or she won, she was awarded the Gallantry Star for Bravery and in 2019, she was awarded the life-saving award. So, uh, continues to be very active, even uh, you know as she approaches her 20th anniversary with the sheriff's office, and does a great job. Great. Hey, I'm Captain John Vick with the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. When it comes to your career, don't settle for good enough. Don't settle for ordinary. We won't either. Be different, be better, be exceptional. Start your future today at joinlso.com. Well, let's transition a little bit into uh, some numbers and, and statistics. And I know people can't see the, the charts that we're looking at, but we'll certainly talk through kind of the, the trends that we've, uh, we've seen this year and over the last few years. You know, I start off with... Uh, our calls for service because that's sort of the um, the yardstick for our patrol division to kind of measure their activity. And um, years and years ago, 25 years ago, um, a consultant predicted that our calls for service would not deviate much because our population in the rural areas that we're responsible for uh, would not go up much. Uh, we gain population in the, in the rural areas, the city annexes those areas, we, so it, it just, it's a sawtooth effect that's gone on now for a long, long time. And we hover, you know, right at between uh, uh, 9,500 and, and uh, 10,000 calls for service per year. It's been that way for, oh gosh, probably 20 years now. So Yeah, just uh, about as long as I've been here, and that's yeah, 30. Yeah, and that's just, about, uh, that's just about standard. Now, calls for service are more complex than they used to be, and one of the things I've started uh, tracking is the amount of time uh, that that's spent on uh, investigating the calls for service. And, um, you know, so uh, 8,800 
man hours uh, working uh, those calls for service. And that doesn't take into account backup officers and follow-up time. So uh, a lot of time is put in by the deputies uh, investigating those those calls. Um, and, and then uh, our traffic statistics, uh, fatal crashes, of course, one of those things we'd like to have at zero. Um, but, you know, in over six years, we've had a 75% reduction in fatal crashes. We only had four fatal crashes last year. That's four too many. Uh, but... Um, it was much better than has been going down pretty much every year uh, for the last six years. Our, our injury accidents, pretty much the same way. Um, you know, we um, had a, a, about a 19% reduction in fatal crashes over the last six-year period. Um, and then it seems kind of unusual to our our urban associates, but we track how many car deer crashes we investigate because that's a huge part of our workload. Um, you know, back in about, uh, oh, 2015, maybe it's two, maybe it's 2010 time frame, we were investigating over 400 car deer crashes per year. Um, that number has dropped significantly. Um, you know, we're down to about 248, um, car deer crashes. And then um, that's an 11% reduction in that six-year period of time. A little bit up over last year, about 9%. But um, for the most part, um, the numbers are trending in the right direction. And what do you attribute that to? Well, I, I think the the steps that the Nebraska Game Parks Commission ha- have taken uh, to um, reduce the population of deer has really helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we there was some illness too that got some of them. Well, too, yeah, the nat- natural, natural uh, chronic wasting disease, chronic and some wasting of those. disease, and that blue tongue or whatever mm-hmm. that was yep. called. Um, so there were a number of natural phenomena that reduced the herd just because it was it was just overpopulated, and yep. so uh, those things have helped reduce the population a lot. I and, I remember when we looked at that. And we, we actually had a training for deputies mm-hmm. on it, but we we just have that perfect combination of in Lancaster County of a high population, um, a big commuter population, big commuter population, yep. But then a you know the the entire outlying areas of our metropolitan area are agricultural and, and rural and great habitat for deer, right? And uh, so that's why you see such a higher level here in Lancaster County than maybe Douglas, which is mostly urban. Yep. Or in you know even more rural counties um, because they just don't have the population. You know, and and uh, Wilderness Park, it, you know, it's a oh gosh, it's Safe what, six miles long, north mm-hmm. and south, by about a mile wide. There's no hunting there. There's no pressure, um, but it's one of those areas. It's right next to a four lane divided highway on one side and a two lane uh, high speed county road on the other side, and and uh, the deer. It's great habitat for deer, except that it can't feed all the population so they go across the roadway to the fields to eat corn and yep. and that kind of thing and that's where we have a lot of conflict with with motor vehicles so yeah um corners investigations are another statistic that we we monitor pretty uh pretty accurately um a lot of people don't know it but we handle the majority of uh, corners investigations in lancaster county and including inside Lincoln. So anybody who passes away that's not in the attendance of a physician, 
Um, by law, the uh, county attorney is the coroner, and they can delegate um, the responsibility of uh, of viewing the bodies and uh, gathering the information to sheriff's deputies, which which they have. So um, we're about a 5% increase over the last uh, six years on coroner's investigations, and that really... Um, it really follows the population um, increases that Lincoln Lancaster County have had. So as the population goes up, so does uh, the number of people who pass away. Um, citations, you know, we're, we're down just a hair over uh, six years ago, but 7% above last year. Um, obviously, 2020 and 2021 with covid our numbers for most of our uh, contacts like that were down a, quite a bit. So, uh, you know, so we're about 50% uh, over um, our numbers in 2021. Uh, our DWI arrests, uh, about 10% over um, the six-year average and um, about 45% over 2022. So um, we're still out there uh, trying to, keeps drunk drivers off the roadway and i i credit you know we've got some you mentioned the newer deputies that we're hiring and, mm-hmm. and we are getting you know newer deputies that are uh, that are being pretty aggressive and pretty proactive yep. with traffic enforcement so that's certainly something we want to encourage yeah and we get grants too a lot um from the highway safety to yep. have them go out there and do saturation um patrols and, and catch things so yeah we we're, we're we understand the importance and how deadly that can be yeah and that's, uh, that's really the bottom line is that, you know, the increase in uh, DWI enforcement, um, you can't help but think it's having a very positive effect on the number of failed crashes that we're having. So, um, you know, every one of those 205 people that were arrested last year could easily have been a fatal crash. Yep. Yes. Um, driving during suspension, that's an interesting statistic because uh, um, it, it's – up over 33% um, from last year and over the uh, over the last six years. Um, there are a lot of th- a lot of reasons why people get their driver's license suspended. Um, it's not just from the point system or for uh, traffic violations, but you know if you don't pay your child support, um, if you uh, don't have your insurance, uh, there's some other things that if uh, if you don't follow some of the rules in other areas of your life then your driver's license can get suspended. And Don't you think, too, some of the equipment in the vehicle? Because remember, when we were out patrolling, we didn't have a computer in our car that we could look well, up people and see, oh, are they suspended or that? You the, know, you're, the, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we have, um, yeah, our deputies are equipped with, with equipment that can provide them that information at the uh, touch of a keyboard. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, technology probably has something to do with that. Um, motor vehicle pursuits, Dar, we, you know, we're, we had 33 motor vehicle pursuits last year. Um, that's a nine, 9% increase over a six year period. Um, concerning, um, there are a lot of agencies that just don't pursue. And so, uh, for those that don't pursue, um, it, it puts a bigger burden on agencies that, that are willing to uh, to try to make those stops. And, and there are a lot of these pursuits that are terminated um, 
because of the hazardous of the driving behaviors of the suspects. And we worked really hard then to gather as much identifying information as we can on the offender and um, hunt them down and, and uh, arrest them when we can. So, And I think we got a really good percentage of people that we figure out. Because yeah. once we know who it is um, in the pursuit, and if it's not life and death, that's not worth pursuing anymore. Yeah. And we, we'll go get them at a different time. And I think that I am so proud of the deputies and the, the work that they do. Because I'm going to guess they're clearing at least 80% of those pursuits up mm-hmm. on that. You know, Sometimes there's just not enough. But uh, I'm pretty proud of them, and yep. I I know our our deputies and the supervisors out there uh, take it very serious when a pursuit occurs, and if it doesn't need to go any further, they get it stopped. You know, I remember safety. being on the road, and you do too, Ben. That you know, when somebody ran from you, that was kind of a personal affront. Yes, and you thought, I am going to get that person, um, and uh, they're going to go to jail, and for us to t- try to Turn that faucet off uh, when somebody's running from you, and and to, to to have the maturity to realize that the the hazardness of this uh, pursuit just doesn't justify the uh, the arrest at that point in time. So, and it's good to have good supervisors who are a step back and then sure. can do all that yep. too. And I think we've it, it's been a culture change to do that because the natural response is you know it's the the rabbit instinct yes. you know to to chase the rabbit game and, on and um yeah it's i think it's it's a lot of it is is explaining the why uh behind that and there's a lot of um you know there, there's a lot of bad bad stories out there about things that have happened and well, there's a lot of innocent people who have gotten killed because he, of pursuits yeah and you know you, you put your family in that situation and they're the ones got hurt because of it you know your your thought process would change greatly and that's yep. what i think we instill in our deputies on when these incidents occur and and just knowing you know being able to run through that logic that if i know who this is and this isn't a life and death situation, I can just go pick them up when, when there's not as big of a risk mm-hmm. to the public and let uh, them land somewhere. Right. So, um, yeah, they might be sober if that's the issue and sure. Uh, so yeah. If you want a challenging career, a career where you can make a difference in your life, your family's life and the lives of those in your community, come and join the Lancaster County Sheriff's office to learn more or to apply visit us online at www.joinlso.com. Um, a couple of statistics that are really, really interesting um, are our sex offender registrations. Um, as you know, by law, sex offenders have to come and maintain their registra- registration with sheriff's offices in each county. And um, uh, depending upon their level of offense, they may have to come to our office one, two, or four times per year. And so, um, you know, we had 4,200 visits from sex offenders, and that doesn't mean we have 4,281 sex offenders, but um, we have those uh, visitors um, 4,281 times. That's a 14% increase over six years ago, and and you're going to see that number simply rise because... Um, some of these folks are lifetime registrants, uh, or they're fifth. They have to register for fifteen years, and then 
So they're still in the pipeline. We're getting, you know, every year uh, we get folks who are convicted of sex offenders that are put on the sex offender registry and have to register with us. And so that number is just going to continue to increase. And they have to come down here in person. So it's not simply a, a phone call or one of those kinds of things. Yeah, and that, that doesn't even count the individuals that um, are not following the rules and doing that. Because we had a grant this year with the federal right. agencies to go out and do um, a lot of sex offender registration checks. And th- we made a lot of rest um, from yep. that grant. Um, handgun permits, another interesting uh, statistic, um, you know, the 14% increase over six years ago, but you'll notice in 2020, um, I'm sorry, audience, you can't see this, but we had, um, we doubled the number of handgun purchase permits in, in 2020. And if you remember, that was election year. And um, just about every election, presidential election year, and just about any time that uh, there's talk about um, firearms or handgun restrictions in Congress, um, our handgun purchase permits really go up. And so, uh, you know, we're seeing a, a pretty steady increase in the number of handgun permits. Well, that too, that and issue. then next year, a lot of those will expire because they're good for three years. Correct. And so I would not be surprised just on that, that it, it goes up no matter what right. occurs with yep. the presidential. You're right. Oh, gosh, our, our warrants, um, you know, those uh, stay pretty, pretty constant um, for, the, for the most part. Um, about 15% more felony warrants this year than six years ago and 3% more misdemeanor warrants. And, and our Fugitive Task Force does a great job in, uh, in clearing those warrants up. And we'll, we'll clear up a little over 4,000 arrest warrants a year civil process um you know that's continuing to go up as well we received about almost uh about 19,300 documents to be delivered to people and um you know we served a little over 9,000 of those documents so um that's only a 53% service rate and that's something that I think we can work on in the future uh, protection orders um we, we take those really, really seriously, and, and we've got a 90, uh, almost 99% service um, percentage of protection orders. And so um, we, we really strive to get those protection orders served within about 24 hours of their issuance for the safety of the petitioner in those cases. And um, we, we got about, you know, 1,300 Protection orders last year, almost 30% higher than six years ago. So uh, that's another area that seems to continue to, to increase. Yeah, and as the population increases, too, a lot of those are going to continue to go up. Yep. Um, you know, motor vehicle inspections, a lot of folks have seen our, our motor vehicle inspectors out at the 46R facility. They inspect about 20,000 cars a year, and I think... Uh, Again, number of uh, people in Lancaster County, number of motor vehicles. Um, and then the, the other phenomena is the uh, number of motor vehicles being purchased on the Internet and then brought into Nebraska from other states because every vehicle that's brought in from another state into Nebraska has to be inspected by the sheriff before it can be titled and licensed. And so uh, that's uh, where that all comes from. 
And then uh, our front door security checkpoint in this building, um, you know, about 225,000 people came through those doors last year. Um, that's a lot of people. Uh, it, it's down a little bit from six years ago, but I think, you know, we had a, in 2020, obviously we had a, a huge reduction in the number of people that came into this building and a lot of it, a lot of the work of the courts was done remotely or, you know, via um, Zoom or one of those platforms. So um, I think we're still seeing quite a few arraignments um, as the technology. Yeah, I think the courts figured out, hey, this works. Yep, we don't does, have to have somebody in here all the time. On And some of the cases you have to be there personally, but on a lot of them you don't. Right. And I think that's helped on. And uh, it helps us a lot because yes. we don't have to dedicate people to transport them back and forth from from the jail facility um, back down here. So that, that helps a lot. Pretty dramatic, though, in, you know, from 2019 to 2020, we, we cut it almost in half from about 310,000 visitors coming through the front door down mm-hmm. to, you know, 163. Yeah. And uh, we're just slowly making our way back there. Yep. So, And that includes employees in this building, mm-hmm. litigants, um, you know, um, all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of folks, anybody that comes into the sheriff office or police department for any kind of business. Um, you know, prisoner transports, that's a huge area of uh, work that we do. Uh, we transport prisoners all all around the, the state. Um, last year, we transported about uh, a little over 1,800 prisoners. Um, that's down about 30% over six years ago. And again, uh, you know, 2020 took a huge dip in that, and then we're slowly starting to build those numbers back up. But um, I think that the other the other issue is uh, out-of-state extraditions. Um, people who have outstanding felony warrants and get arrested in another state, uh, we will go and pick them up and bring them back. And, um, you know, we usually have a, a limited amount of time to, to do that. Uh, we don't get uh, an opportunity to take advantage of cheaper airfares. And so we send two deputies uh, to get a fugitive, and we did that 75 times last year um, at a cost uh, to the taxpayers about $142,000 for travel, lodging, overtime, uh, and meals. And so uh, it's a huge uh, expense and a huge commitment on the part of, uh, of, of that division. Uh, our fugitive task force, they continue to do just really great work. Um, you know, they served almost 500 uh, felony warrants last year, 20% increase over the year before or over a, a six-year period of time. Um, secondary arrests, uh, when, they're, when they're making contact with these folks, um, about a 50% increase over uh, six years ago and, and uh, same way with secondary misdemeanor arrests and, and then there are broadcasts being cleared. So... Uh, the Fugitive Task Force uh, just does great work, and I'm I'm convinced that you know the work that they do t- contributes to a, a huge reduction in crime in Lincoln Lancaster County. Our uh, criminal interdiction unit um, made about 35 arrests last year, um, mainly off I-80, seized about 3,500 pounds of of marijuana along with a number of other drugs and, and um, contraband. 
credit, you know, stolen credit cards and all, just all kinds of Cadillac converters, catalytic converters, criminal and any kind of criminal activity that occurs. Um, yeah, and they've caught some uh, missing and exploited children and got them back home too. So uh, yeah, yep, they do a great job. Um, fuel, fuel is an interesting. Um, we used about the same amount of fuel last year as we did in 2018. Um, almost, almost to the gallon. Almost it's to crazy. the gallon. Yeah, yeah, it is. But we spent a hundred thousand dollars more last year than we did in 2018 on on that gas. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, because we drove about a million two hundred thousand miles in both those years. So we drove the same amount of miles. We used about the same amount of gas. But the the cost of it was dramatically higher, thirty six percent higher uh, last year over two thousand eighteen. So um, that's one of those things we have virtually no control over. Uh, but um, it really uh, really shows you how much the uh, price of gasoline can influence our budget. Uh, we had eighteen motor vehicle uh, unit crashes last year, which is um, it's a little high. A little high. Uh, we'd like to have that number at zero too, but. You know, we, uh, you know, when we provide our deputies with patrol cars, uh, we give them the legal authority to violate state statute when necessary. Uh, we have a ton of distractions in the vehicles, um, and, and, you know, quite frankly, I'm surprised we don't have more. Thankfully, the majority of these have been very minor crashes uh, with very minor injuries, if at all. And so... Uh, um, and some of them... Are deer crashes that the deer, and then some of them, it's not the deputy's fault. And I'd say a majority of them that you know, that right? Somebody else had done something, but it's still a crash involving yeah. us, so we have to count that. So no, the, the eighteen isn't our people messing up and crashing each time. Not either. yeah, not all preventable right. crashes. That's, but I, that's correct. Okay, I should I should make sure yeah. make that differentiation. But, but I just I did the math real quick. You know, over one point two million miles for the year, and that's that's sixty seven thousand miles. Um, between crashes, you know, on average. So really, like like you said, um, it, in, in a lot of industries, that would be higher. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow, our workplace injuries were low. Yeah, we only had uh, four workplace injuries. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, dropped dramatically um, over the last uh, six years. You know, one of the things we've really talked a lot about is uh, – you know, applications, applicants for deputy sheriffs. And so uh, we've been tracking those. Uh, we had a 36% reduction over a six-year period of time in the number of applications that we received for deputy sheriffs. We received about 125 last year. Um, only 53% of those, I'm sorry, only 53 of that number showed up to test. Uh, and that's only 42%. But uh, traditionally, that's about... I mean, that's higher than it is traditionally. Um, so usually it's between about 30 and 35% of the people that apply show up to test. Um, and then of those 53 people who showed up to test, 41 passed the written, and um, and then you had 29 that passed the physical. So you can see where 125 applications gets whittled down to, you know, less than uh, 29 uh, prospective applicants rather quickly uh, when you go through that that process. And of those, we we hired six. We hired six. Right? So yeah. So, uh, yep. Yeah. So it it goes. Uh, the math goes quickly downhill. It does. Yep. 
you know, and, and that's what we're showing up, you know, we're, we just talked about is it's just the written test and physical test. And there's a, a whole bunch of stuff after that um, for the applicants to go through before they're qualified to be a deputy sheriff, a background check for one thing, um, psychological evaluation, a physical and a drug screen and and, um, and the dreaded polygraph. And the dreaded polygraph to make sure all the things that they have told us um, are true. And um, so, yeah, it uh, it's an arduous process. And so out of 125 applications, we hired six. So yep. um, you can do the math on that on and the, the, written, the odds are of getting hired. And the written and the physical, those are requirements to get into the academy. Yep. Right. I mean, those aren't just made-up things that LSO decided we wanted to do. You have to pass those to be eligible to go to the academy. And, uh, yeah, having people fail out of that, it, it, it's... Yeah. You know, and of the six people that we hired last year, um, I'm sorry, that, that we had uh, in our training pipeline, uh, four of those uh, did not make it through the Nebraska Law Enforcement Training Center. And so, uh, yeah, once once you get hired... There's still a number of steps to go through before you're off probation and, and tenured. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. well, that kind of brings us to the end of the stats from 2023. Yep. Um, closing, uh, closing thoughts. Looking back at uh, at the previous year. Well, you know, you really have to appreciate our employees. Um, you know. We went through some real personnel shortages last year that that required our, our current employees to put in a lot of hours, a lot of hours of overtime, um, a lot of uh, stepping up to the plate and taking on additional responsibilities when we needed it. And I really appreciate their willingness to make sure that we accomplish our mission uh, by giving giving all that they could to help out. They make us look good. They sure do. And we can do things pretty easily to make us look bad, but <laughs> yeah. don't get me started, right? <laughs> well, um, just appreciate you guys walking us through um, 2023 in review. Uh, we're already off to uh, you know a good start here in 2024, and uh, looking forward to those awards coming out to to some very deserving citizens and staff members um, coming up here next month, and maybe we'll have some of those folks on to to talk on future episodes of the 902 podcast That'd coming be a good out. idea. Yeah. So. Uh, well, with that, uh, that's all the time that we have for the 902 podcast today. We appreciate you listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. You can also reach out to us on social media, at LSO Nebraska on Facebook, Instagram, X, YouTube, TikTok, Feel free to send us an email, too, if you like, lso at lancaster.ne.gov. And most importantly, if you're interested in job opportunities at the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office, be sure to visit www.joinlso.com, and uh, we'd love to get you connected with a recruiter from there. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time.